Hey, it's me. I'm back. And good news, everybody. They announced season 10 of Vanderpump Rules. And it's actually looking like it's going to be starting in two or three weeks. So super fast. But (laughs) awkward timing for me because who's going to be doing a rewatch with me when there's a brand new season airing? (laughs) So I don't know what I'm going to do, to be honest. I'm starting to feel especially mentally ill recording solo episodes, (laughs) sitting in the room and talking into the microphone. Um, So maybe I will just take this time to regroup and find another co-host. I don't know if I've said this before, but... Originally, I was supposed to do it with a friend, but uh, he fell in love with a hot, rich daddy and has no time for me. (laughs) So I decided not to let this idea go to waste and take it upon myself. But yeah, talking alone is, it's not as fun. (laughs) Um, But yeah. I don't know when I'm going to release these episodes or this podcast. Who knows? But honestly, I also, given the last couple of seasons, um, I thought this show is a thing of the past. Like, it hasn't been good in a while. So another reason for starting this podcast specifically with Vanderpump Rules is because I was craving that season one through four and then like six that magic and i wanted to rewatch it because i didn't think we would ever get that magic back um but now i'm thinking about the storylines and i'm being cautiously optimistic because katie and schwartz divorced and i would love to see how that goes especially because it seems like schwartz is in some sort of a makeout entanglement with raquel of all people i thought at the last reunion when andy wished her well and sent her on her way that was a wrap on raquel (laughs) But no, 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 honey, she is holding on for dear life to whichever Bravo lab she can find in her path. I mean, Peter, Oliver, Nima, now all these Schwartz rumors. Yeah, that girl is not giving up her spot, if anything. I feel like she has her sights set on becoming a main cast member. Uh... What else is there? Oh yeah, there's also been some sort of um, open relationship rumors between Sandoval and Ariana. And 
a couple of cast members, I think it was Lala and Katie, have gone on podcasts and have said that Ariana and Sandoval are the least authentic people on the show, the way they portray themselves, and they're the most different off camera. And I'm hoping maybe that little bit of veil will get lifted for once and we get to see what the hell is their relationship because I have some thoughts and opinions on that. <laughs> um, I'm also wondering with Lala breaking it off with Randall, did she and Ariana maybe have another... Um, back of the car moment and that's where the rumors possibly have started did that actually make Sandoval's head explode yet again <laughs> oh and speaking of um, Lala and Randall I would love to see what the fuck is up because the rumor mill is crazy I mean some of the allegations against Randall um child pedophilia that is nuts but i have zero faith lala is gonna reveal any of that on the show i think she's an active court battle with him so there's probably some sort of um gag order on her um yeah would be juicy though so it's shaping up, if they're gonna do their job, if they're really gonna, the producers, I mean, um, gonna get off their ass and work, this could be a really good season. But if we get serving of vanilla ice cream yet again, then I'm losing all hope. Might as well, you know, tap that pigeon out, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> but, Yeah. I'm excited. It is actually good news. It's time for Vanderpump season 10. Now we've moved so far past anything to do with COVID and these people are all starting a new chapter in some way or another in their lives that it could could be good. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah. So let's get into the recap of Vanderpump Rules, Season 1, Episode 5, titled I'm a hundred percent that bitch. <laughs> okay, that's my title. The official title isn't quote unquote politically correct. And I don't want to repeat it just yet in an effort not to trigger the SJWs only a few minutes into the episode. <laughs> I mean, who do you think I am? <laughs> I'm sure I'll trigger them later on because this episode was juicy. But for now, I'm playing nice. This is the episode where Jax is going mask off. Um, not all the way off, but I'm definitely no longer buying the good guy charade. Frank, on the other hand, is doing great this episode, but his mask will be off next one, so it's really just a few good men out there for Miss Stassi Schroeder. <laughs> and watching in the previews, 
I didn't notice the first time around, but once Sandoval takes off his shirt to throw down in the shopping strip parking lot brawl, he is wearing two belts and the most insane acid wash jeans. Remember when Ed Hardy was a thing and everyone did the most distressed, acid washed, studded, pockets everywhere jeans? <laughs> Interesting how now everything is minimalism utilitarian. I guess Kanye and Demna really flipped the fashion world on its head, although... Fun fact, and the most insane rabbit hole I've ever gone down is the fact that key inspiration behind Kanye's Yeezy was actually none other than Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> his style and clothes from his closet that Kanye braided once after um, Shia came to his concert. Okay, back up. <laughs> so, Shia LaBeouf was a big fan of Kanye, and he took his mom to Kanye's concert. Um, and Kanye was told about his presence there, so he brought them both backstage. And in order to sort of maybe repay the favor or keep the party going, Shia offered to host an after party at his own house I, yeah, as a gesture of gratitude towards Kanye for, like, giving his mom an experience, a backstage experience. Um, so there were actually a lot of photos circulating of Kanye wearing Shia's hat, and people were putting the two and two together, and they kept asking, is that Shia LaBeouf's hat? And Kim confirmed it on Twitter, which led to an interviewer asking Shia, so what is the deal? <laughs> and he told the story how that night when they all went back to his house for the after party, Kanye asked if he could take a look at his closet and raided it and took about 95% of it. And I guess has been rocking some of Shia's clothing and used it as an inspiration for the Yeezy designs. That's how Yeezy was born. <laughs> Is that not the most mind-blowing thing? I don't know. Um, when I found this out, I was like, how random. I always really loved what Yeezy di did, uh, being that my family has roots in Soviet times. So that kind of vibe I respond positively to, but I still look key always thought of Shia as this goofy kid from Even Stevens, so it's hard to make space for him in my mind as also a muse for iconic Yeezy look. By the way, where the fuck is Kanye? <laughs> I'm hoping he's not chained to a bed somewhere after some of his um, public stints. <laughs> I'm craving for some controversy. Let's maybe not go full anti-Semite MAGA tyrant alongside uh, Nick Fuentes, but can we maybe call Drake out or premiere new music? Getting a little bored over here. 
Shoulder pads ain't gonna cut it, boo. But, oh yeah, anyway, back to the episode. So, it opens on Lisa at her house, prepping for a tea party, and we get a fun flashback to Beverly Hills, where Taylor Armstrong says, If you can't be my friend, just don't be my enemy. Taylor Armstrong is such a tragic hero, but I still think about those seasons like that was truly wild to see. The fact that the storyline was whether or not her husband beats her, and the reveal was that, um, yeah, he actually does, brutally, and he ended up killing himself right in her house, that was insane, peak insanity. That they just use that as a storyline for a reality TV show. And for some reason, it didn't even feel that serious or dark watching it. I don't know if we're just culturally more keen to awareness on the severity of certain um, subjects. Whereas back then, anything was up for grabs under the guise of entertainment. I mean, it was quite quite entertaining, not gonna lie. Taylor in the suitcase, that entire trip feeling like a fever dream. I'm not saying I need like domestic violence storylines, but I guess the entertaining part was that it felt so raw and real. It was hard to imagine that these women who live such a lavish, luxurious lifestyles behind the golden gates Things like that are happening, and how willing the other housewives were to turn a blind eye until, of course, Camille Grammer, actually. And now we said it. <laughs> anyway, um, so Lisa tells Jax and Peter, who are there in Wife Beaters, uh, do we still call those things Wife Beaters? Uh, <laughs> Uh, yep. I just... Okay, yeah. I just did a Target search, and that's still a thing. (laughs) That's hilarious and ironic, since they did just flash to uh, Taylor Armstrong. (laughs) Oof, dark. Lisa says that she will be serving cucumber martinis and tea and tells them that when they go to Vegas as a collective, they are representing Sir and asks to talk to Jax alone about what had occurred. When she's talking to Jax, I guess he's being mature about having to work with Frank and he says, we both have bills to pay, we both need our jobs, we will be okay. That's such a glaring difference between guys and girls because Katie was really quick to call from Vegas and suggest that she cannot handle being put on the same shifts as Stassi. And later on in this episode, Stassi tries to leave her shift because she feels like she has no allies and can't work around Laura Lee (laughs) and everyone else she's in a fight with. But Jax is like, Frank and I don't have to interact in a way that isn't absolutely professional. Respect. Um, 
I was just watching something on Vice that randomly came on after the Andrew Tate documentary they did, which, by the way, talk about socially toxic, my god. I'm so pissed that I have to even know who Tate is, but I guess, what else do we expect? The pendulum always has to swing back, and it does tenfold, so when society spent years allowing children on fucking TikTok and Twitter dictate social constructs such as toxic masculinity, which makes men feel disempowered and emasculated, so then they turn into virgin incels prepped and primed for chinless dorks like Andrew Tate to start spewing misogynistic propaganda and we wonder how did he get so popular. Makes sense, I mean, if on one side you have liberal feminists refusing to shave their armpits and yelling how they're being oppressed by the patriarchy and how a prolonged eye contact is rape, then the flip side product will be Andrew Tate, who will literally say men need to be men and should be allowed to rape and all the oppressed 12 year old gamer dorks see Tate in his Bugatti, encouraging the most toxic instincts and think he's their new icon of masculine empowerment and make this weirdo the most prevalent figure in the zeitgeist. We are done, bro. Moral fabric of our society is cooked. But, um, how did I get onto tape? Oh, yeah, Vice Doc. So, after that doc, there was like a panel of all kinds of men from Jesus praising tough guy cowboys to Wall Street bros to a gamer dork and feminine gays and a trans man to woman and everything in between and they were discussing all sorts of topics on masculinity and i expected it to be a total shit show but they actually all had some pretty insightful takes and mostly agreed with each other as opposed to same thing with a panel of women discussing feminist topics that definitely didn't have the symmetrical air of camaraderie So that's one case in point. And second is, there was a moment when one guy said, women do tend to be more emotional and men logical when talking about a workspace environment. And I immediately thought, oh my god, is this guy using Vanderpump rules as a single case study? But all the guys immediately jumped on him with a contrary. Yeah, it's a stereotype, and those are rooted in some truth. But I definitely don't agree with it, as much as it's just hilarious to actually watch it play out so meticulously here on Vanderpump, playing right into that stereotype. So... Jax kind of has a mini breakdown under Lisa's questioning about being still in love with Stassi and being heartbroken over losing her. And Lisa's all mommy mode. Are you okay? You're not good. You're not good. To a 32-year-old man, like, perhaps you don't need to be mothered by your boss. So weird. Just... Make better choices, Jax. 
Um, Lisa says, I've got 10 people coming here for tea. Trust me, I've got my own problems to deal with. <laughs> like, lol, what? What problems to deal with? Because to me, it just sounds like a fabulous tea party with cucumber martinis. Why are you inviting people who create problems? <laughs> but I love the drama. Anyway. Stassi and her mom Dana are going shopping and Stassi says they are exactly alike. They're both dramatic, sensitive, and little princesses. <laughs> that is quite a cocktail. They do look so alike here. I've never noticed it before and I love how Stassi just needs a glass of wine. And her mom's so cool with it, like, same. My mom's cool about drinking, but there was definitely a time if I said something like that, she'd be immediately like, why do you need it? Is it because you have a problem? Are you now so addicted to alcohol you feel like you need it? Because you definitely don't need it. <laughs> like, oh my god, I roll. Chill, mom. I could be doing so much worse than having a glass of Pinot. <laughs> Did anyone else have to deal with that? <laughs> I guess not Stassi. Her family is from New Orleans, so that makes them a thousand times more cool about wine time all the time. Stassi tells Dana all the drama that happened in Vegas, and she said Frank was staying with me. The entitlement. I mean, he also drove you, so you're staying together. <laughs> But Dana says that Jax was a 32-year-old who couldn't hold down the job, didn't want a job, and was lazy. That's an interesting evaluation of Jax. I feel like I don't know if he's lazy or he's just used to the male model lifestyle where you do like a shoot or a campaign and you get a hefty check all at once. So then having to work for some low hourly wage is unappealing. Then Dana drops a few other little wisdoms like don't pick cheaters. Duh. <laughs> and Stassi's like, well, if I knew he was a cheater, I wouldn't have picked him. And Dana says, somebody deceived you. You can't help that. And that is very true. The saying goes, you can't control what's happening to you. You can always control how you react to it. So if you're being deceived, you can't help that, but you can, I guess, learn from it. Try to be all the wiser. Uh, next, Sheena is at rehearsal with two other girls, one being Jessica, who is insanely gorgeous and has flawless bone structure, and they discuss her upcoming performance, and Jessica says they used to be cheerleaders, so they would know how to entertain. But Sheena is worried about having to do too much with the singing and the dancing. But then, I don't know, creative director or whoever he is says... If she doesn't put on a show, the big stage of the Roxy is gonna swallow her whole. <laughs> and then she does the recording, I guess, as a backtrack for her live vocals. And it's honestly very terrible. 
And AJ, the vocal coach, his face is just like, this is hopeless. <laughs> um, next, at Sir, Jax brings wine from Guillermo to two ladies who do a really cute crossed arms cheers. And he chats with them a little bit flirty and putting on a charm. And we get like a moment of Laura Lee's face just popping up and watching that on high alert. <laughs> and then Peter says he's heard in the interesting development that Jack's hooked up with a girl at Sir. Um, who did he hear that from? And he says... He could tell from body language that it's Laura Lee. And Jax is like, yeah, she was babysitting my dog. Then we went to lunch. Then we went on a hike. Then we went to dinner. Then we went to a movie. Then we went to breakfast. <laughs> and Peter says, basically, watch out because Stasi knows too. But how? How does Peter and Stasi both know? Who is sending out a newsletter updating everyone on the hookups at Sir? That's crazy. <laughs> and then Laura Lee comes and says that she was watching Jax talk to those ladies and that she needs to beat some booty. Oof, so freaking cringe. And Jax is like, no, they didn't even speak English. They were Spanish. And she's like, oh, so they can be like, see, Jax, see. Oh my god, <laughs> you're doing too much, baby girl. And Jack says, like, you can join in and tell them your life story. And she does the most insane giggle and says, yeah, I'm a math addict. I will fuck you up. Ah! <laughs> she sounds like a prostitute toddler. One of my triggers is I hate people who make me feel secondhand embarrassment for how self-unaware they are and how they're coming off and Loralee is really hitting me at the core of complete cringe with every damn word out of her mouth. I'm like, I can't tell if she's trying to be funny or self-deprecating, but the comedic timing is not hitting and it's just pathetic like babe not everyone has to be mysterious but jesus christ don't just give it all up like that in an effort to appear quirky or hardcore or whatever <laughs> stassi says she received a call from laura lee so it's Laura Lee is the one that is sending out the newsletter and informing everyone that she is hooking up with Jax. And Stasi said she cried about it, which is kind of sad, I guess. I mean, haven't you been with Frank already doing the same thing, though? And she doesn't want to work her shift that night at Sir because she doesn't want to witness the whole Jax and Laura Lee situation. And Kristen here says that this is the treatment Princess Stassi needs. God, this bitch is gloating. Stassi looks pretty here. Her hair is exactly like Serena Vanderwoodson and all the promo shots of Gossip Girl and like the way it's blown out. And at least she has Frank. Frank says 
see if they'll cut you, which sounds pretty nefarious, but it just means let you get off work early in a restaurant lingo. <laughs> no physical harm done. Frank seems nice and chill here, not overly performative like he was in the past, and it's nice that he's kind of just there for Stasi. Lisa walks in and she looks so fucking hot in a tight dress with her boobs pushed all the way up to her chin. And she didn't get the Laura Lee newsletter, so Jax has to personally tell her the latest gossip about them hooking up. And she questions his motives since he was just telling Lisa that he's heartbroken over Stasi. But now, all of a sudden, he's hooking up with Laura Lee. And she tells him to be careful because Laura Lee is a, quote, delicate, fragile girl who's only been sober for nine months. I don't know, but isn't there, like, a rule in recovery that you're not supposed to get into anything if you're under a year sober because you're risking replacing one addiction with another. I hope I'm not making this up. I feel like I've heard that before. So if that's true, someone needs to alert Laura Lee's sober coach about Jax Taylor. <laughs> and it pants to Laura Lee saying to Kristen, did you see those girls hitting on him? Meaning the two Spanish girls and Jax. Oh my god, that bitch is cray. <laughs> um, Stassi asks Peter to be cut with over 50 reservations that night, and he's not having it. And she says that Jax told her that he's going to find the girl at Sir that she's friends with and hook up with her to basically rub it in Stassi's face the same way she did it with Frank. So he found the weakest link. But good on Peter for being able to be a manager despite also being Stasi's friend. Um, I just began watching Southern Hospitality and the main girl Maddie keeps saying she doesn't know how to be their manager but also their friend when the employees have drama amongst each other. And it's like, well, again, female versus male way of approaching work type situations. <laughs> Just look at how Peter's doing it. It's not that hard. Then it's Kristen and Sandoval's place. And I have the exact same lace shorts that Kristen is wearing here. From Zara. <laughs> and they're hosting a little get-together. And she says the upside to not having Stassi is there'll be no drama. She can invite Sheena and Laura Lee because she always thought she was cool. Um, no you didn't. You were just Stasi's minion, but now you're trying to stick it to her, a la the enemy of my enemy is my friend. She's not realizing this right now, but the way she's handling it is slowly fracturing the friendship, so when they have maybe a bigger falling out in the near future, all these cracks are gonna crack it open. <laughs> um, 
it's just never a good idea to be a catty bitch towards your girlfriends, no matter how much of a fight you're in. But I guess that's why I love Vanderpump and why it resonated with so many people. It just holds up a mirror that reflects some of our worst instincts. Um, but I guess everyone's a deeply flawed human being. All I gotta say is, it was really brave for all these cast members, especially Kristen, Stassi, and Jax, to kind of put their worst foot forward in front of the cameras and eat shit for the majority of earlier seasons. And again, I'm not excusing Kristen's behavior, I'm just saying, bitches be catty. Men will brawl with their shirts off, but women will wage an emotional warfare. (laughs) Tina says she put down 2.5k in order to perform at the Roxy, and to that I say, way to go girl, way to be a go-getter and create an opportunity for yourself. I'm not sure if she ever went went on to, you know, get the fame that she wants. And I'm really not trying to check on her or Laura Lee in present day because my heart can't take it if the truth isn't good. But I so hope that Tina just went on to live her dream. And same with Laura Lee. I sincerely hope that she's... um that she's well. <laughs> Jackson and Laura Lee make out in front of everyone at Tom and Kristen's and Sheena says it's a joke and I respect her for calling it like it is. But what I don't respect is Sheena wearing a fedora because <laughs> anything besides a normal fitted baseball cap or like a winter hat with a pom-pom Fedoras are the top of the list that instantly infuriates me if I ever see someone wearing it. I don't know why, and I can't explain it. It just, it looks so pretentious. Also, Laura Lee's wearing a bikini top for some reason, and two scrunchies and a hair tie. But Katie, on the other hand, is wearing a nautical blazer I'm obsessed with. Blue and white stripes with a monogram on it. I love it. And I want it. Uh, Laura Lee reads the text that Stasi had sent her to the group. And I wrote these down word for word because they are just so lit. <laughs> You're fucking pathetic, you have zero self-esteem, and it's sad to see. You meant nothing to anyone until I talked you the way up, way to pay me back. Laura Lee responds, I'm not pathetic, I'm happy for the very first time in a very long time. Stasi, no one liked you before except for me, and now everyone hates you and thinks that you're disgusting. Laura Lee, I can live with that. Everyone laughs like it's such a good burn. Um, Stassi. Everyone's been warning me that you're oddly obsessed with me. Now I know it's true. Welcome to a life of no friends, at least as far as Sir is concerned. Freak. 
You're a total opposite of a good friend. Enjoy my leftovers since you're so obsessed with getting them. <laughs> and Jack says, you're enjoying them. And Laura Lee's like, I'm enjoying every minute of them. And they make out. Ew. <laughs> but man, Stassi's a word wizard. I love her bully text and Laura Lee. And I just really love this mean girl season one Stassi. It was very short-lived because she got so much backlash. She was quick to rebrand herself as a basic bitch. And I just actually listened to her mo- uh, most recent episode she did um, on Katie's podcast. And yeah, it's truly not the same. They talked about the recent Meghan Markle and Prince Harry talk on Netflix. And it was pretty neutered of any hot takes. I'm so not interested in Marco, so my only take is that I find her to be pretty supercilious and insincere. I think she's just a typical LA girl who wants fame and would be thrilled to be a fashion girl with maybe a goop-like lifestyle brand, but instead she has meticulously constructed herself to be this intellectual philanthropist in order to rise in their ranks to be able to date someone like the prince but therefore painting herself into a corner of having to uphold that image despite it coming off vacant and inauthentic and that's my secret suspicion is that people have such a visceral intense reaction to her not because of racism or whatever reasons she likes to pretend there is but because they are intuitively responding to the insincerity. And I think also because everyone is exhausted by hearing people who are in extreme positions of privilege bitch and moan about how difficult it was for them, which I don't know if that's what Harry and Meghan are actually doing as someone who doesn't engage with their content but peripherally it seems to be the narrative that's around any new piece of content they're putting out so if it's not the case they desperately need to take control of it and shift gears and ultimately stop indulging in how their position of privilege just wasn't quite a hundred percent ideal for them to remain in like get serious real trauma is living in this inflation or recession or whatever and not having good health care where where your one er visit from going bankrupt and the carton of eggs is like 106 dollars nowadays so i respect that megan probably did suffer a lot of trauma or whatever but at the end of the day she's fine still keeping the lights on in her montecito mansion so if you want to keep yourself relevant in the zeitgeist, maybe relax a little on the My Truth talk and start providing output that's more entertaining. I don't know. Throw Prince Andrew under the bus and make a comment on him being a perv and you'll have my attention. But until then, I'm just not interested. And I guess my point in going on this Markle tangent is even having this weak ass opinion I was kind of waiting to hear anything remotely interesting 
or on the contrary from Stasi and Katie that would either challenge my point of view or get me interested in forming a different opinion but in the entire hour-long podcast I did not and their whole conversation was super bland the only fun detail was that Stasi thinks her own pregnancy was leaked after she planned to do a Kylie Jenner and keep it completely private. And Katie agreed that Stasi told some people she didn't think were trustworthy with the information, but neither would name names, so even that ended up being not as juicy in the end. I guess I'm just saying it's so nice to spend this time with season 1 Stasi who is a diabolical fucking savage because in present day that's long gone. I don't blame her at all. I uh, see exactly how we got here and it's not necessarily bad. She has had a beautiful life and a huge following who enjoy her lukewarm basic marketability and I certainly don't expect her to get on mic and call Sheena a thirsty traitor if she's the one who maybe leak the pregnancy. (laughs) But I would so much more love to listen to her pod if we got some of that season one Stassi wit and a form of snark, but even the way she talks now has completely changed. Like, her cadence is to overemphasize every word when speaking the most mundane sentences while season 1 Stasi would just obliterate with the most graphic threat of violence in one second as though she's reciting slam poetry. <laughs> like we saw in this episode during the interstitial where Tom Sandoval says Stasi tries to appear edgy by using murderous rhetoric and then they show a bunch of scenes where Stasi describes in gory detail how she would execute someone. Also, I love in the last scene where she's telling Jax how she dagger him to death and chop him to pieces and his face is just so completely blank and unfazed. That man checked out as soon as she started berating him for being a broke 33-year-old earlier in that lunch date. So next we have the iconic staff meeting. I really, watching this episode, didn't remember a single thing from it except for the staff meeting. (laughs) And having worked in restaurants, I remember staff meetings, which never went quite like this one, but always had some level of drama that mostly had to do with work, rarely personal. More often, staffers just disagreeing about how someone's doing their job or whatever. And talking head, Katie says she hates conflict, and her confessional look is awful, with the hair just teased and flipped out like the 50s housewives. Terrible. And you see that at the staff meeting, everyone's kind of divided on one side being Stasi Frank, Jan, Jeremy, and a few others, and the other side is Jax, Laura Lee, Kristen, Tom, Katie, And in the middle is Sheena and Peter, because Switzerland. (laughs) Lisa comes in and says she's heard a lot about what went on in Vegas, and now she's here to find out what really happened. 
And Jax does take responsibility, says he was acting out of emotions over a relationship he invested two years in, and he acted like a child by running his mouth. This is where I think Sandoval should have jumped in and also taken accountability for taking his shirt off and instigating it further. Because Frank was an invited guest on the trip as Stasi's date, and he wasn't the one that started it or really didn't retaliate up until all the way at the end when he was in a cab, inexplicably shirtless, and tried to jump out as Jax was screaming at him. So this one's mostly on Jax. He's the one who crashed a party and caused a big fucking brawl. But it's good he took accountability publicly. He could have thrown in an apology to Stasi for ruining her birthday while he's at it. But, you know, take what you can get. Uh, Kristen says her heart is pounding and Lisa calls her out on making side comments. And then they replay the Vegas fight scene. And here... I noticed that Frank is actually soaked in beer too because he pushes Schwartz and shields Stasi. So I'm gonna give Frank major points for being protective of his girl and making Schwartz look about two feet tall for being a man who pours beer on a woman. Like, such a bitch move. And Stasi explains the confrontation between her and Katie but for some reason downplays it a lot. She says, I threw water on Schwartz for calling me a bitch. If Katie happened to be in the way, and Kristen yells, you pulled her hair, and Lisa says, did you pull Katie's hair? And instead of saying, yeah, because she was pinning me to a wall while her boyfriend was pouring beer on me, Stacy said, no, because I am not a ghetto bitch. And Lisa says, well, sounds like you are, that bitch. <laughs> Kristen, in her talking head, says she's happy Lisa called Stasi out again. Like, she's just taking every opportunity to twist the knife in further with her jabs. Um, Laura Lee, over in the corner, is acting agitated, fidgeting, and, I don't know, doing some sort of a two-step breathing meditation. As Jax is telling her, please calm down, please calm down. And Lisa notices and is like, you look like you're having a seizure. What is going on? And Laura Lee says, she's just about ready to pop off. And Lisa's like, okay, you have the floor. Pop off, girl. <laughs> and boy, does she <laughs> says to Stasi, you're so fucking fake. You're sitting here talking about how you're not a hundred percent ghetto bitch, but you're gonna send me text messages harassing me. And Stasi is like, oh, I totally did. Of course I did. And in her talking head, she says, it was nice of me to just bully text her. <laughs> And to Laura Lee, she goes, Yes, I did send you mean text messages because you hurt me. Laura Lee, paragraphs. Kristen, about work. Stassi's threatening her job. Stassi, I never said you're going to be fired. Kristen, you said she should just quit. Stassi, she should just quit. 
Lauralee, I can't help my feelings for Jax. I've been in most horrible relationships in my life. Stasi, weird. So was I. Lauralee, let me talk, please. All he does is build me up all day. Builds me up. He doesn't belittle me. And it feels nice. And I know you feel like you befriended me. But let's be real. We only hung out one time, Stasi. And if you're you want to talk about girl code and being a good friend do good girlfriends please answer me this storm out in the middle of a saturday night and what did i do please transfer all your tables to me peter and i covered your fucking ass she stands up yelling and pointing a finger called you when i got off work didn't hear back from you for two weeks so don't talk to me about being a good friend and lisa boom (laughs) boom what i don't know it wasn't that climactic honestly (laughs) so she covered stassi's table so no that's not a friendship make that's like literally your job as a server (laughs) Stasi says, it's about you, not Jax. I want him to be happy and move on. Laura Lee, I like him just the way he is. Stasi, okay, I'm glad. Elisa says, you're being patronizing, Stasi. And Stasi says, he got a porn star pregnant in Vegas two weeks ago. Kristen, that's not fucking true. Okay, so... Laura Lee obviously looks a tad crazy here, especially because Stasi remains so calm and snide in her replies. But it's definitely Jax who um, wound Laura Lee up in the first place. And it's kind of sick to see why nobody's really questioning his motives. Jax knows what he's doing. He knows he's probably the hottest guy Laura Lee's ever been with. Or that'll shower her with attention. So being a former addict, she's probably also prone to sex love addiction or some sort of uh, codependency. So she's not gonna play hard to get or make him work for it. She'll fall right into his little plan and become an easy chess piece to move around the board to checkmate Stasi with. And the worst part is, Loralee's feeling empowered by the whole charade, because in this moment in time, she has the guy, and Stasi's friends are against her, so she's emboldened to go against Stasi. But she clearly doesn't have the fortitude, and ends up just making an ass out of herself, leaving everyone laughing at her. It's painful to watch, but also fucking hilarious. Stasi's like the cat that's already wounded the bird and now she's just toying with it until she, you know, goes in for the final kill. And Sheena's kind of hilarious here because that was literally what Stasi was doing to her a few episodes ago and now she's just like, well, better Laura Lee than me. <laughs> enjoying the spectacle but at least Sheena is aware enough to assess the situation properly. I feel like Laura Lee is a little bit high on her newfound glory of thinking by banging the number one guy in the group she's suddenly the number one girl but babe first you gotta dethrone the queen 
and that attempt was futile. Stasi may be down, but she is not out. <laughs> it's the sickest part. It's really kind of unfair that Jax put this dumb bitch in a line of fire like that. And I mean dumb bitch in a kindest way, with no disrespect. Like, dumb or naive in a way that she didn't seem to get hardened at all by all the drug use because she's such a pure and fragile soul. So I sincerely hope this was just a fleeting moment in time for Laura Lee and she's living a beautiful life and never thought about this fiasco ever again. But like I said before, I'm not going to check on her socials, but that is what I hope for her. <laughs> um, to conclude this meeting, Lisa says another wild thing. I see you all sit in front of me and only some of you are going to go on to become successful and I pretty much know who those are. Such a random statement and I just really weird. I'm wondering does she mean in terms of reality TV? Is she saying those of you who are unable to go there and participate in the drama are not going to be part of the show much longer? I don't know, looking at Katie or maybe Tina and all the side characters that aren't doing what Kristen is doing by involving herself and just chirping, chirping, chirping. Or is she talking more about like them all having aspirations of grandeur and she's like, you'll actually be serving fried chicken forever. <laughs> I guess Lisa just randomly had a psychic premonition. She knows things. And after the staff meeting, Stasi has a little bitch slash powwow with Jan, Danielle, and Kelly, the bitchy blonde from the Vegas episode, who I think should have been more of a prominent character and part of the show. And they all say that Laura Lee is psychotic, how worked up she got, and Stasi says, Jax left me a love note three days ago, and now he's a changed man. Good luck. You guys are in love. <laughs> and so I think this says a lot about Jax. And him going mask off, or at least his mask is slipping, because earlier in the episode at Kristen and Tom's party, where they were telling Tina about the fight between Jax and Frank in Vegas, she was like, so who won? And Jack said, well, obviously I did because I'm not with Stassi anymore. So now him winning is apparently not being with Stassi when that's literally what he's been fighting for. And he was just crying to Lisa about being a heartbroken man, but now it's a win for him to have broken up. <laughs> literally so immature. He's just one of those guys with the most fragile ego him making an advance on Stasi after he fucked up so many times and her rejecting that advance is when his ego gets hurt and he does the whole I don't want her anyway song and dance to metaphorically save face. This reminds me so much of, and oh my god, <laughs> every girl will, will know exactly what I'm about to say. He's literally like one of those guys who will hit on you and as soon as you reject them, they go, oh, whatever, you're ugly anyway. 
you know those guys. And that is what Jax is doing. Crying about Stasi to Lisa, sending her love letters. But because Stasi's not falling for it, he is like, well, whatever. I don't want to be with her anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, next, Sheena goes to her choreography practice, and in the background, one of her backup dancers is Miss Ariana Maddox herself, making her first ever appearance on Vanderpump Rules. And later in an interview, she said that's when the production was actually trying to get her to come on the show as a cast member. But she seriously was pursuing acting and was in a relationship with someone who thought reality TV was trash. So she was just trying to stay as far in the background as possible while still being a good friend to Sheena and a great backup dancer. (laughs) Sheena is trying to sing and dance at the same time and having a hard time. And she says, how does Britney do this, (laughs) bitch? Because Britney is the supreme. You will never be on her level. (laughs) But she is able to do splits and a lot of booty popping. And she says she's not worried about being judged. Let's just be hot and shake our ass. I like that. That's a good life motto. You should always want to be hot and uh, shake your ass. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Stassi goes to dinner with Jan and Haley, so it's kind of nice to see that despite losing her two main minions, she actually seems to have lots of other friends, a full roster of B squad and C squad. <laughs> By the way, even though she's been on the sidelines, this is the first time we see Jan for an extended period of time where she actually gets to talk and holy shit, she is gorgeous. Doesn't she look so much like uh, Zendaya? Maybe she is Zendaya. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Stasi also looks really pretty here. Very sophisticated with hair in a low bun, um, stud earrings, and high neck dress. So Jen tells her that Sheena will be opening the show for Tina at the Roxy and now Stassi's interest is piqued. She obviously has to go to make fun of her, she says. Is she planning on dancing like ancient Britney Spears style? Britney Spears when she was at her lowest times 10? (laughs) And I'm not sure what she means by that because Britney at her lowest times 10 is still far more supreme than any of you fools, so put some respect on her name. Anyone who talks badly about Miss Britney Spears is immediately on my hit list, so sorry Stassi. We had a good run, but you've just become public enemy number one. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> So it's the night at the Roxy, the big performance. Kristen is there and she says it's nice to cheer Sheena on and show my support. Again, Kristen, you're not winning yourself any favors with Stassi later on when inevitably time comes for you two to make up and she'll see how committed you were to betraying her over and over. 
Unlike Katie, who's also in a fight with Stassi, but is staying loyal and classy but not making snide remarks every chance she gets. Sheena looks very hot. The outfit is very much giving pussycat dolls with gloves, a corset, pushing her tits out, big hair, and laced up boots. <laughs> Love it. And even Jack says she's hot. Her performance goes really well. Maybe not ready to go on a world tour just yet, but if I was at the club drinking, I'd love to see it. And even Stasi says she did a great job. Even though she came to make fun of Sheena, she was impressed. So go Sheena! She's getting W's through this entire episode. Honestly, a star is born. <laughs> And as Katie Kristen, Tom Jacks, all having a great time celebrating Sheena, Stasi's feeling on the outs and has that moment where it hits her that her relationships are over, her friendships are over, they've managed to form a new circle that Stasi is no longer a part of it. You know, she's really going through it because baby girl sits on a curb outside, but I guess when you're like drunk and ready to have an emotional meltdown, you need to get yourself as low to the floor as possible to feel grounded. <laughs> Can't say I haven't been there because I totally have. There's a hilarious moment when Stasi's talking to Jeremy saying, I don't want to cry, and he literally just turns and walks away. <laughs> One of my best friends is a guy, and I swear that's exactly how he would react to whenever I'm getting dramatic and in the mood for a drunken hissy fit. He'll go stonewall and refuses to indulge me, and I love him for that because... If you have no audience, there's really no point. <laughs> but Sheena comes out and sees that Stassi's crying, so this is her chance. She hugs her and Stassi says she's having a mental breakdown. And this isn't fake. She's full-on sobbing, can barely get the words out. So relatable. When you're on the verge and someone shows you a bit of kindness and that's when you completely fall apart. She's also taken aback as to why it's Sheena of all people consoling her. Because, quote, we normally hate each other. But Sheena says, I'm here for you, whatever you need. Aww. Another big W for Sheena for really being the bigger person. She does say in her talking head that she knows if it was the other way around, Stasi would probably kick her while she was down, but that's not who Sheena is. And it really does show a lot of her character that not only Sheena knows who she is and sticks to her principles, but she's also willing to kind of let bygones be bygones and recognize someone's hurting and show them kindness. Very mature of her. I just wish she didn't immediately start begging for Stasi's friendship and play it a little bit cooler because it does feel a little bit not disingenuous but opportunistic. Like, what can I get out of this? I know she didn't mean it like that, but it just came off as a little bit self-serving. Like, okay, I'm here for you in your low moment, 
So now you have to be my friend. And we're gonna take pics from my Insta. And tomorrow we go get our nails done. I'm your new bestie. <laughs> but it's also cute. So do your thing. She asks Stasi to stay and support Tina and get a drink. And Stasi acknowledges that Sheena really was the bigger person here and says she's grateful for that, but still makes Sheena pay for the drink. <laughs> and that's the end of this episode. Um, yeah, stay tuned for the next whether it'll be next or in a couple of months after season 10 is over i don't know who knows <laughs> maybe i'll be lucky and have a co-host by then maybe i'll bring on a guest we'll see what happens but for now bye bye what?